Welcome to Bleed TV, the podcast for the best shows on TV, and I'm Jake. And I'm Cash. All right, this week we're covering Vikings, episode 402, called Kill the Queen. And what'd you think? I I really enjoyed this episode. There was just one main thing that I didn't like about it, which was time. Time was very odd when it was jumping between the three different countries for me. Okay. I can understand that. They did jump quite a bit in this one. I'll be honest, this was the first episode I was in absolute worry that it was going to be the one I didn't like at all. <laughs> I uh, Three quarters of this episode, I was kind of like, oh my god, I'm not feeling it. It was, I'm in danger of not enjoying an episode of Vikings. They tried to crunch a lot into it, and I think that was would have been the main worry for me for not liking the episode. I just think they covered a few storylines that I just could not bring myself to give a shit about. Like, which ones were you thinking that you didn't like the most? The Eckbert and Judith stuff, I could just care less. So the main guy you wanted, it just, it's not him for you? That's the thing. I love Eckbert. I love how smart he is. I love how cunning he is. And he's he's such a you know manipulator and stuff. And I feel like he is absolutely manipulating Judith right now. But the stuff with her wanting to be free and wanting to paint like Athelstan and then bringing in Athelstan 2.0. Yeah. And like you said earlier, there wasn't a lot of arm twisting to make it possible for a woman to be allowed no, he pretty much just talked to the bishop, which I guess is the higher up of Athelstan two, or not even two point because he's a worse version. But just he's just the bishop of that community. Yeah, and he immediately takes his word. And the only thing it took to convince the bishop was a stern, just look. a look from Eckbert. And so I don't know if he was going to take away his little boys or anything else from him, but he he caved pretty quickly. Absolutely, I think he's bought and paid. He allows him to just be drunk half the time and, you know, allows him into his uh, nice bath house yeah. <laughs> you know, he's got. Um, it is a nice bath house. There was just a few things. Um, even though I love Floki, I thought they put a little too much time into Floki traveling. You remember watching Lord of the Rings and how tired you get of seeing them run through the hills <laughs> through the woods, through rocks, through whatever. It was whatever. exhausting. I felt like I ran part of that marathon. Like, I was right. gimly. I would have liked to have seen more of Bjorn, possibly, and his struggles in the wilderness. So you wanted more walking? No. I mean, he got to the cabin, and it was Wait. like, okay, could have seen some more stuff with that. Instead of just seeing Floki running and looking behind himself. I mean, I'll give you that, but some of the shots of Floki running with all the water and the wilderness that we were given. It's beautiful. It's always beautiful. And, I mean, I'll trade some of that off for just, I mean, what more would we have gotten of Bjorn? I mean, he we didn't he didn't come with any more furs, so he didn't fight any animals. He found a miraculous cabin. Well, I would like to know more about the cabin. Like, who the hell built that? Because it looks awesome. Like, really well built. <laughs> I mean, it looks better than what he's living back at in Kattegat. Yeah, I think HGTV built that thing. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. The, the two brothers were out there furnishing it with uh, your own wood. Yeah, it was at uh, 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 Property Brothers. Yeah, or the whatever. Property Brothers. <laughs> Absolutely. But, uh, but anyway, like I said, it was only three quarters of it that I was in danger of not liking. Because, boy, did it finish strong. And it finished hella strong. It really did. And the big part of that for me was that information panning out from the lone survivor. I thought that it was a complete setup and he was walking them straight into a trap. Oh, absolutely. 
uh, and we'll get to that because I want to save a little bit okay. of that because I think that's the obviously the climax and the best part of this episode. But we'll run through the, our major characters, okay? For, for Ragnar. Okay, so Ragnar is he's in a precarious spot right now. Okay, we basically wake up to Floki's gone. Which right. was a given for what how the episode was going to turn out. I felt like before I even turned it on, it was Floki's escaping in some shape, way, or form. Right, and they show a kind of precarious shot of Helga hiding under a cabin or whatever, some housing. Yeah. So it's like, okay, obviously she freed him and then hid. Um, so Ragnar goes and speaks to her. You know, ask her, did you let? Did you free him? And she's like, <laughs> I don't know. I might have. I might have. It's like, wow, you're. Damn good liar. <laughs> um, but we've what we really find out is this was just a good way of showing the daughter of Helga and Floki mm-hmm. that she's hungry, that they're really cold, that they're really struggling without Floki there taking care of them. For how little he does care for them, right? When he's not caught up with himself, but he's still the provider. He is, you know, so. And it was interesting to see Ragnar immediately start caring for Helga Roth about coming with a bag of food and saying, you know, regardless of what's going on with Floki, I'm still your king and here's some food I'm willing to provide for my people. Right, because I still feel like Ragnar has hope for Floki, that he will eventually admit, you know, his wrongdoing and that he's selfish and that he was jealous. And then it could begin the, like, rebuilding process of their friendship do you know like he did for rollo but i think that his relationship with floki is even deeper than it is with rollo because floki was the person who built him the compass built him the ship right he believed in him when no one else did at the beginning took major risks to his own personal safety yeah like he initially wasn't selfish you know because he did everything in the name of ragnar and now he feels that loyalty like he does with everyone in his family. And he wants to repay that in the best way he can without being weak. Yeah, I just... I think Ragnar thinks he can redeem Floki. And he doesn't want to just let Helga and the daughter die and freeze to death or starve to death. Because once they're gone, then Floki might not have anything. There may be no turning back for Mm -hmm. Floki at that point, you know? And Floki still is a very important character because he brings something that no one else does with his inventions and carpentry. Right. So, just moving on through the Floki point of view really is Ragnar's son, what did you say is it Ube? Ube is what I believe. We're thinking Ube is the pronunciation of his name. Uh, Ube is leading a pack of trackers and dogs, which I was surprised that it was Ube. Yeah, the like- young son of Ragnar was the one leading this team of hunters at first i thought it was somebody else you know because you see some older people you see ube and the other little brother kind of running behind him but then halfway through the chase he's barking out orders and i was like no yeah he gets main focus yeah you know who did we take a vote did did he immediately (laughs) assume the lead once bjorn was gone or no i think this was just one of ragnar's deals where he's like boys prove yourself you know this time you start acting like men basically because you obviously come of age way Wait. sooner in those times. Obviously. Um, well, but that, but it was also, not only was he leading, but there was also women in the chase. And I know there's shield mains and everything, but to see women and children participating in a hunt like this. Oh, absolutely. Is very interesting and different. Yeah, I, I really enjoy it. And we're going to get to some of the matriarchal, patriarchal stuff here really soon. But 
Either way, they catch up to Floki. Uh, Ube spots him hiding in a waterfall kind of pool. Yeah. Um, How he thought to look in there after they chase up the mountain, I don't know. Right. I thought it was really neat that they showed Floki running through water and you know wetlands and stuff to hide footprints and, and possibly to cover the scent so the dogs couldn't smell exactly what i was thinking i thought it was really well done um but of course he's running from other people just like him who yeah. are aware of what he would try to do so i thought that was really neat like you said it's always beautiful i mean where they film this is just unbelievable uh anyway like i said catch up to him they drag him out of the pool and drag him back to ragnar but, I mean, before, like, when they initially grab him out, he's kicking and screaming like a child, and we just see how low Floki's become. Yeah, he's, like, base. Base self. Yeah, like, he... All he cares about is himself. I mean, I know I feel like I'm running over myself saying he's selfish, but just his basic needs of survival he's are afraid. back at the base. He's very afraid of what Ragnar will do to him. You know, he's legitimately scared because he knows he's betrayed him yeah and betrayed him so deeply that he thinks ragnar could actually kill him and then when he gets back and ragnar's talking to him we realize he had a good reason to be afraid oh absolutely and the thing is i feel like if he would just admit he was jealous like ragnar's trying to pull out of him you know first he like knocks him down saying you were tracked by a couple of young boys (laughs) children doesn't even give names or anything just children just children and uh you know, calls him out about his jealousy, and I just, and then Floki's like, I have nothing to say. I've already know? said it. And yeah. Floki, it seems like Floki still doesn't realize that he did it out of jealousy or anything. And Ragnar even kind of, you know, gave him a couple softball pitches and saying, yeah, obviously the gods don't love you because we caught you. And I'm going to make you suffer for this. And the gods are not going to help you. Right, and it's purely pride that's keeping Floki, you know, from you know groveling. Really, I mean, just <laughs> saying you're sorry and admitting you're wrong, and I don't know. I mean, maybe that's the Viking way, but it's getting him in a hell of a lot of trouble. <laughs> and I mean, that's what I was about to say: is do you think apologizing is even a thing in Viking culture? Uh, I haven't seen many apologies come out. Not many, but like I said, with with Rolo's character. You know, he did. You know, he, he came and he admitted that he had betrayed him and, you know, that he had hurt even friends, you know, when he killed one eye and stuff yeah, like that. I mean, the wars and everything. For him to come back from that, you know, and be you know, basically a, another main role in Ragnar's life. It should be simple for Floki to easily should make be. that. Should be. At least Floki had a good reason, at least a reasonable reason. To kill Athelstan because he thought he was tainting Ragnar's mind with the Christian stuff. I don't know if he he twisted his mind to think that, I believe, into it being the reason. Yeah. I just don't think it was much of a push. No. You know, it didn't take much to get Floki to that state. And it was very reasonable, as you said, in the eyes of the Viking community, everyone else in Katagat, right. to be behind it. Right, because it wasn't like 75% wasn't thinking the same way Floki was. Yeah. He just pulled the trigger, you know. So I could kind of feel like Floki has a better chance of redemption even than more than Rolo had. So I feel like he had a chance. Yeah, and I'm really hoping that this gets settled soon because I it's really hindering Ragnar. 
because everything he's doing is just tied with Floki. And as much as I love Floki and everything from the beginning of the show, it's just dragging it down. And it's making us create Wessex and Paris and go into these other worlds and not focus on Vikings. So what do you think about the next scene where he steps inside and becomes domestic violence, Ragnar? (sighs) Man, was that... That was a big scene because my first thought was, I mean, obviously domestic violence is unexcusable, but would that have happened if it was Lagatha? I mean, I've seen him and Lagatha throw down a few times, but usually Lagatha's first to throw the punch. Exactly. He's never first to swing or anything. And then it just also kind of, what's Aslog thinking, you know, poking the bear? You know, this is the second time she's done it in as many episodes. And Yeah. I think, in a weird way, I think she's giving her an excuse to come at him. You know what I mean? Like to plot something against him. Okay. You know what I mean? Like she's she's like, give me a reason. You know what I mean? I don't think she expected to get beat down. No. She was. I mean, but by the see, second one, she was airborne. But very good writing in this, you know? It's like, what do you know about loyalty mm-hmm. before he slaps her down, you know? Something you wouldn't know anything about. And, you know, he's really struggling with the Floki stuff. And then it's for her to just tearing poke away at him. And then she's, like you said, swooping in underneath it. And she's, I don't know if she has enough people to try to create something. You know, maybe she's waiting on another character to come back into the show to help her out. Because, yeah. I mean, obviously she wants Kattegat. I don't know why she wants it so bad because she's not even a hey, is, What, is her life so bad? You know, I can't feel sorry for her. No. In any way. Um, it is really striking no pun intended, to see Ragnar hit her, though. You know, because you can't help but put yourself in our current, you know, state. We but back a, then, that was probably just super that was common. Tame. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's lucky he didn't pin her to the wall, you know, with a axe or something. Yeah, you know, start throwing daggers, target practice. Yeah, but. so still rough to see. And yeah. I think a major turning point for the future with between them two. I, I definitely think so. And I wonder if this is going to lead to her trying to start become a little bit more of a warrior and ingrained into the culture so she can try to lead. Cause I mean, that's so clearly what she wants. I think she's going to go a different route. I think she's going to go the like underhanded, like rumor mill route, like start sewing discourse within Kattegat against Ragnar. Do you think that can work with Ragnar? Or do you think that can work in a way to dethrone Ragnar? I think there's enough people that are still pissed off about his Christian minglings that in their minds, they could be swayed a little bit, you know? Mm. Because look what she proved when the missionary priest came to talk to them. You know, she made them carry the bar of molten steel Mm -hmm. and she's like, what do you want to do with him now? She's like, kill him. <laughs> you know, she is going full hog yeah. for the gods. She has been become ruthless in right. the name of the gods. Right. Like Floki. And Floki already had people on his side believing that. So I think she's going to go that route. I think it could work. I mean, obviously, it didn't end up working with someone like Floki. And I think that's about the only person it could work with. I don't see them rallying behind Aslog in the name of the gods, especially against Ragnar. I think he's too beloved. I think he's proved himself 
head over heels and he's brought them so much more wealth and adventure. I, I agree, but I easily could see her just trying to create underhanded issues for Ragnar. I can see her trying to create it, but I just don't see it working. Do Maybe you? even driving him crazy to doing something stupid. Now that one, I you can know. see. Maybe she frees Floki from his Chinese t- water torture <laughs> you know, that he's facing. I, I did like the extra little water drops coming down periodically. On oh, the absolutely. You know, and from what I understand, you know, that doesn't affect you at all for a while, but after like a day of it, that sounds like an anvil falling on your head every time a drop hits you. Oh. I just can't imagine. That'd be brutal. So, next big character, he only had a couple scenes, was Rolo in this. Oh. I, I, after his betrayal last week, I didn't think yeah. there was a way I could possibly feel bad for <laughs> Rolo. But was I wrong? When he gets the haircut and oh. the new outfit... It looks like a fancy lad, a gigantic fancy lad. Uh, and then Gisla laughs at her. Just walks in <laughs> laughing. First of the laughter. <laughs> like almost tears rolling down the eyes. And I was just like, oh, you, good job, writers. Yeah, yeah, well done. Because in a way you want to loathe him at mm-hmm. this point. And then his other scene where he's teaching Count Odo how to stop the Viking ships from giving, coming up river to Paris. We were learning that he's actually learned something from Ragnar and he's kind of seen how battles unfold before they actually start. Yeah, and he's clearly watched Game of Thrones and Tyrion <laughs> Lannister and about the chain yep. between two forts, you know. Uh you know, and then didn't, HBO go. Didn't stop with the let's just stop the ships. He also said build more ships mm-hmm. to come and attack their ships while they're funneled into that space. So you hate Rolo even more now. Very true. But, I mean, go right back to the hair real quick. It's interesting that any time that either him or Ragnar move up in rank, there's a new haircut. And not necessarily like more hair or anything, but his Ragnar's hair's changed every time that... Yeah, the tattoos start working level. further mm-hmm. and further up his head. And now Rolo tried it and just backfired (laughs) and so i'm interested to see if rollo can climb higher and if his hair is going to change again hopefully in a more positive manner yeah i hate to see him change his ways too much because he's trying to you know i mean he's not a viking anymore yeah he's he's lost that man i hate to see that because he's one of my favorite looking characters when he's a viking very authentic it's a beast you know I hate to see that. God, I hate to see that. But that's all we get of Rolo yeah. this episode. We talked about Bjorn a little bit. Basically see Bjorn wandering through a blizzard and like a whiteout. Uh, he finds a cabin, um, hunkers down. He does a little mm-hmm. ice fishing. We figure out, we find out he's the best ice fisher the world has ever seen. And he does it without gloves the first time. That that's I was noticing that. I was kind of freaked out by the fact that he wasn't wearing gloves the first time. Or... Like just something wrapped around his face or his head. I mean, he would be—he looks bitterly cold. Out <laughs> and um, as soon as they come back the second time, gloves magically appeared. Yeah. Now you got gloves on. Yeah. What's wrong with you? Frostbite. You know, it's real. Yeah. So 
That's about all we got to be on. Yeah, I mean, he went back one more shot. He was cooking it in a stew or something. And yeah. So hopefully, you know, next episode we get a little bit more, like maybe a big hunt or, like you said, something explaining the cabin. Give give us a little something to. Yeah, I think. I think judging by the previews, we're going to get more yeah. Bjorn next episode, which I'm looking forward to. And we it looks need, like it'll be more action involved. Because we need more Bjorn, and I'm interested to see when he comes back, how his and Ube's relationship is. Is it going to be a Ragnar Rolo, or is it going to be kind of like a brother team up? Is he going to be able to accept Ube into his life? Do you think Bjorn's coming back anytime soon? I mean, I don't see him being gone for more than three or four more episodes. I mean, he's a big he's a big time character. He's we don't have many Vikings left, and they're going to have. He's not going to miss out on a raid. True, true. And I and with them bringing in Wessex and still having Paris, and we're realizing that they want to do more in Paris. A raid's happening rather quickly. Yeah, I feel like they could move forward a little bit because you know they're going to raid in the spring again. Mm-hmm. And they're obviously in the winter time, so if they're if they do like a slight flash forwards, you know what I mean, through the episodes. And they're already kind of time jumping. Right. I can see Bjorn coming back right before spring, right before raiding season. But know? do you think he's going to come back with a memento or something to show Ragnar how much he's grown and how worthy he is of his love and leadership? I think he's mainly just going to come back alive because that's what he wants. He wants to yeah. see if he can survive alone in the wilderness. You know, okay. just basically like a rice, a passage, you know, which is kind of cool. I like to see that. Type I mean, yeah, stuff. I mean, in most sur- mythology and things, I like that. Surviving that long on your own without gloves is going to be a challenge in of itself. Right. All right. So let's move to the main storyline of this episode. Okay. We finally go back to Wessex. We know we could care less about the whole Judith plot line, but mingled in with this. We find out that Quinthrith, Queen Quinthrith mm-hmm. uh, from Mercia, has been locked up by a few of the nobles from Mercia who refused to take her rule. And they kind of set up their own, I guess, group of rulers. Yeah, I mean, that wasn't really clear, and we don't know who those rulers are. They had a small standing army, but... They just said it was a few of the nobles... You know, who refused to follow her leadership. They lock up her and Magnus in a tower somewhere. I mean, to me, this whole plot line kind of fell flat for me just because I'm not a big Quinthrith fan. I mean, I know she has Ragnar's child and she could potentially become a big play, but I don't really see what Eckbart's gaining from her. I think he more or less sees an easy enemy, you know, Somebody he can, can control, in a way. See, I didn't much care for Quinthrith at first, because I thought she was kind of a loose cannon. She seems almost borderline bananas crazy. Yeah, I mean, she seems like a borderline psychopath mastermind. Yeah, like almost schizophrenic, though. Because yeah. she's twitchy and... Always moving like, around and... Bring me his head, <laughs> and that kind of stuff. And then he... And, and, but like right on the verge, when they're about to bring them her head, or her their head... She's like, no, 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 I want them alive. And so it's like she doesn't realize she has a lot of power. Yeah, it's just from her peeing on Ragnar to her poisoning her brother right when you think she loves him and wants him back in his, you know, want, you know, back in his company. 
you know, she's a loose cannon. She is a loose cannon, but this episode I feel like did a lot for me to like her more. If only if it was just her motherly protective instincts over the baby. Okay. I mean, to me that was I just found that whole fight scene ridiculous. I loved it. And I thought it was done well, but how much of a natural fighter she became in that short instance, I didn't it didn't flow with me cuz she was stand she fought two guards. Two women. I mean, not shield maidens. Okay. okay. These were two women with like daggers. But still armor. I know. I agree with you. I agree with you. But yeah, you, know, you don't have kids yet, but when you do, it's like an instinct that comes out you. It's like mama bear. You okay. know what I mean? She was very mama bear. Yeah. So anyway, but we we find out though that Wessex has sent some scouts to find out what tower, yeah, what tower where they're she keeping Quintrithers in. So they get delivered back to Wessex in a box of heads. Yet again, uh, someone's been watching Game of Thrones. You know, yeah. they sent out the scouts, bring them back with a head. Yeah, heads in a box. Yeah. So and ha- well done. Uh, effects as well. Yes. His heads look disgusting in the box. Find there. out there's one surviving scout who makes his way. Walking. Okay. And I mean, I was just as suspicious as Eckbert is about this. Oh, by no means did I think that he was about to tell them the right information. Right. And I thought he was setting his son on a suicide mission. Eckbert didn't even really want uh, Atherwolf to go initially. Yeah, he was uh, pretty much guaranteeing that it was a trap Mm -hmm. that no this is crap you know they're just trying to lure us in and but for some reason Ethelwolf is like defying his father like why why do you think he's it didn't sound to me like he was defying him because he said not everyone thinks like you father you know this is someone that we can trust and so I think he was just accepting that He's potentially just not as smart as his dad, and the other people weren't as well. So there was just no way it was a trap. Yeah. You know, he was like, Dad, you're thinking too far ahead that you're outthinking yourself. Right. Can't see the forest through the trees type yeah. of deal, you know? Yeah, I could see that. But they sure did set it up like it was going to be a trap. I mean, it was set up through the eyes of Eckbert, and it. Like when I saw the guy live, I was like, "Well, this is a foreseeable trap." Right, but turns out not a trap. It was the honeypot. He leads a small army force, a small military force, whatever, to this tower, which I was surprised they got so close without anybody noticing. <laughs> I mean, nobody noticed. They completely surrounded it perfectly with yep. three separate groups, and. Basically, there's no high watchmen in this <laughs> no. tower. Even though they have a tower. And they have people on top of the tower. Yes. With rocks. Lots and lots of rocks. Poor, big and small. <laughs> yeah. I saw a few pebbles dropped out. I was like, really? It's- yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, they don't see him. But Ethelwulf, they do a cool thing where they ride the horses up, mm-hmm. hook the chains to the gate, tear it off, <laughs> with, miraculously not getting hit with crossbow bolt. No. Um, and pull it apart. And then we get this good, this like leader of the guard on the tower side, mm-hmm. you know, 
barking out orders. orders. And it lo- initially, it looked like he was giving out great orders. Absolutely. You know, sending them out in waves and everything. But who trained? Who trained his archers? Was it Helen Keller? I don't or know. Not the Bryce. Ray Charles. I mean, was it somebody <laughs> who didn't see targets? It was you know patting on the back. Because the Wessex archers were shooting even into their own men, but I mean, killing only the bad guys. Only killing the bad guys. And I mean, they were coming, popping up, shooting the arrow yeah. and de- back down. Yeah, Before. it was uh, very it was, sad. Yes. The, uh, <laughs> the ineptitude of their archers. <laughs> uh, and their rock tossers. Not the so rock, good either. I mean... Um, I- Oh, and their gate builder. I mean, I was, yeah, that was terrible. The first thing I said was, if the guys in, if Mercer somehow wins this war, the gatekeeper is the first person dead. Yeah, just <laughs> string him up. Yeah, he he's done. <laughs> but so anyway, we get a awesome fight. fight scene. This is so well choreographed, just so dirty. You know, you get a lot of this. Blades against blades against shields and stuff. None of the shield wall stuff. No. So there's not like a lot of protection and then waiting. This no. is full on. Just com- we have armor. I'm going to let it protect right. me, and Just I'm going to battling. Throw my life out on the line here. Right. And so then- first, Aethelwulf's group looks like they're just tearing through these guys. Oh. And then the the leader of the tower side is down to a group of like, what do you say, 15 dudes? About 15 or so. And charges them all to the wall, which was... But then when Aethelwood breaks through, this guy's like to the group, and they just charge, and they start whooping ass. They did, which was weird, because the Aethelwolf's people still had archers behind yeah. the initial group, and he sent... And, the and some Mercer of them guy. get killed. Somehow. Right. But because they they charge that leader of the tower is a badass. Yes. And he is just walking through dudes. And we finally get to see him get chopped down after he's overcome. Mm-hmm. But he gives one last command. Kill, Kill the, the queen. queen and over the and over. I mean, that was yeah. probably said about eight times during the raid. Right. And so this one guy takes off running with the key. Immediately sh- takes a bolt to the leg. Yeah. Arrow straight <laughs> to the leg. He snaps it off like you've seen in so oh, many yeah. shows and movies, which would be terrifically painful, by the way. And so he's running, but because he's injured, Aethel is able to catch up to him. And then we get a magnificent, brutal fight, fight scene. This was beautifully done. I mean, they're just trading licks, walloping each other. No one's ever really winning. Like, as soon as the person gives a punch, he takes one. Absolutely. Just brutal. Now, I realize not everyone has seen Game of Thrones, but i got to assume a lot of people that watch Game of Thrones watch this show. Yeah. There's a fight between Brienne and the Hound. And sorry if that's spoiling anything, but it, this is what this really conjures up. The brutality of this fight. And also the location similar, right outside of a tower. Right. But, man, Aethelwulf takes a kick to the face Face. that would take out your nose and all (laughs) your top teeth. I mean, senses and everything. And, I mean, it it even said that because, like, it just, the sound. It shows like it's ringing, Mm -hmm. yeah, in his head. And they're just brutally battling each other. No weapons at one point. They're just knocking the shit out of each other. Bare hands. Um, the one guy's holding him and the guys at the top are trying to drop and that, massive rocks on him. Cause initially like we just start seeing rocks fall. I'm thinking right. what, what's going on. And then Athelwolf has got 
Mercer guy, the gatekeeper, up against the tower, and then you hear people above, hold him still! Hold him still! Hold yeah. him still! And then just rocks just going, and I was just like, this is not going to end well. One of them's getting yeah. bashed in the head. Uh, and sure enough, you know, he's, he's playing like yeah. he's holding still, and then he drags the guy forward. He gets bashed over the head. Yeah, the Eighth Wolf had the uh, great location of actually being able to see the rocks drop. Right, and seen them coming. Just pulled him right into it and yeah. smash. Nasty. Nasty way to go. Yeah. Um, but this whole time they're fighting, Quintherth is upstairs fighting with a stool against two chicks with daggers. And uh, the stool one-handedly. Like, I mean... When she was swinging that thing, we, I, I think a few teeth flew out from one of the initial... Dude, girls. yes. And that stool snapped to pieces a couple <laughs> times when she hit with it. This, man, these two going at it, I absolutely loved. Just, it was a great scene. I just, this totally redeemed this episode for me. Because I really thought this was going to be one of the ones that was like, this is too slow. You know, I'm not feeling this episode. And then this just laid in my lap. And it was awesome. It was one of the top three fight scenes the show's ever done. Oh, absolutely. Especially hand-to-hand combat. Not weapons, necessarily. But like We didn't have the shields. We didn't have the... I mean, there was a little strategy and all, but I mean, they just did full-on warfare and showed the brutality of man. It was just... I even tweeted about it. It's like, there's savages going at it. You know what I mean? Just like, to the death, just... Like two men enter, one man leave. You know, it's just brutal. Or in Quinter's case, three three women enter, one woman leaves. Right, right. And uh, Quinter is about to get uh, the raw end of this deal, and Aethelwulf is trying to make it up to the tower top. Um, she's getting strangled. Yeah, finally had uh, lost control of the battle, and then right as she's gasping for that last breath, Aethelwulf with a running charge. Sword through the heart. Yeah. Pretty awesome. I Once mean, again, really well done effects. They've just I mean, nailed this stuff. You get the bend, her going all the way back onto the sword, and yeah. then just the quick pull off. And I was, it and was it, satisfying. And he looks just insanely tired. Exhausted. Exhausted tired. And Quithip just kind of sits up on her knees and is like, what took you so, so long? <laughs> Perfect yeah, comment. This is, this is fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. And... Man, this, like I said, just totally redeemed this episode for me. It, it ended it on the bang that the show really needed. It did. It did. Because, like I said, there was just a little too much dragging, a little too many storylines that I didn't just totally care about. And and then two characters that I didn't necessarily that care about, but brought them to a scene that made me love them. Yeah. You know, because I had no care for out the wolf, and I mean, and even before he went on that thing, he looked at his wife and gave the snide remark of, "Yeah, you know, I don't have to worry about you anymore." And it's just it's like glad Ooh. you've come back into the trust, so I don't have to worry about you whoring around when I leave. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, "Yeah, this guy's an ass." Yeah, um, you know, there's no way I'm gonna like this guy by the end of the show. Yeah, absolutely. But then to see him savagely fight like that, and Quinthrop savagely fight like that, dude. I mean, brought two characters that I could seemingly Care do without. About. Now I want to see where they go from here. Do you think something happens between them? Because she's already tried to lure them into bed once. Yeah, I think she sleeps with people for power's sake. 
Originally, I mean, sleeping with the prince is a pretty powerful move. Yeah, but I, I just won't know what it would do for him at the time. I mean, I don't think he's smart enough to care about what it Possibly does not. for him. He may just do it out of spite for what Judith did to him. Because yeah, because he doesn't know that Judith slept with her his dad as well. Yeah, true, true. And so I mean, he could find that out and you know grab Quintrith as a prize. You know, you didn't think that he's necessarily defying his dad earlier, but I feel like there is some enmities like starting to sow between them two. Yeah, because he always offered his son as the hostage to the Vikings, almost as if you know if he dies, he dies. You know, he always had a good way of. You know, talking about it is like, no, you're the one I trust. No way they'd kill a prince. Yeah. You know, I put you out there because I know there's no way they'd kill you. But he always puts him in harm's way. He does. And I mean, I think he does it because he knows he can control his son. And his son doesn't understand that he's being manipulated yet. But see, I think he is starting to understand that. And I think that may be the power play you're talking about okay. with Quintrith. It's like, can Aethelwolf get enough people on his side that if Eckbert was out of the way... He's in Could charge. he step in and maybe make some moves? I would like to see that, but I still just don't see Aethelwolf being that smart yet. So, I mean, I'm hoping that you are right and he starts to take a little bit more control and we get a little bit more development out of him because they work so hard to get him to a likable place. Yeah, true. But, and man, then, it's going to be tough to outcun yeah. you know, Eckbert. He's re- the real deal. I mean, he's shown he's the smartest person on the show. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah, he's uh very I mean, he's funny. just dominant in the brain department. So But then also like going back to the initial my big worry about the time jump is Ragnar's other son is pretty old, like with Quintrith. Like that that was like a four or five year old child it looked like in that bed. No. Oh, no. he was looking pretty big. Not five years old. I think it was a big baby, is what I saw. I thought he looked like a 10 month old that was big as hell okay i mean that's a big 10 month old i yeah i'm telling rewatch i think it's just a big baby okay i'll have to Um, go back to look at that because because they show her with the um when they first show you magnus Mm -hmm. when she's when he's handed to her that episode you know i think he was pretty big child then but just a baby i think he's just even bigger baby now um, but yeah, they're going to have to, continuity is going to be tough because the jump they made with Bjorn from being the scrawny little kid mm, to two. the beast that Bjorn is in a span of four years, I think is what they said. Yeah. Which was ridiculous. I mean, they're making a lot of continuity is the only thing the show isn't really doing well is, I mean, they're doing a lot of time because it doesn't seem like these three places are in the same time period right now like it seems like one's a couple months ahead of the other and stuff yeah but the thing with the viking timeline is he has so many children everyone has kids yeah so when these kids constantly jump in age it's like dude how much time has passed y'all should have been raiding four (laughs) times by now because look at ragnar's kids even the handicapped kid Mm -hmm. is enormous now he just rides around a cart but he's still big he looks at least four years old. Yeah. So it's like, what happened to those four years? We we have no idea. Except, <laughs> I mean, may, maybe Ragnar's just got this um, special seed that just, you know. I mean, grows. if it's the super sperm, <laughs> uh, whatever. But 
you know, the sperm of the gods is pretty much is what he's rolling with at this point. I'm usually pretty touchy on timelines, and I realize they're just trying to bring in actors that they can use later on. Mm-hmm. You know, let the show grow with them. And like we said, you know, we wanted to see Ragnar's other kids step up, and because we'd lost Bjorn and everything, and we're wondering how that's going to play out, and it showed Ube is going to be a fairly important oh, it'd be character. a formidable dude, yeah. But and honestly, I wanted to see Bjorn become what he is now because he's one of my favorite characters now. I mean, he's a big battling dude, muscle. Yeah, just, I mean, he's looking to become a better Ro- Rolo. And to be honest with you, when Bjorn was just a little kid, you know, in the original seasons, he was he wasn't too, you know, he was skittish. Like he he didn't understand that he was a Viking yet. Well, he also just didn't look the part to me. You know, he, he looked scrawnier and weaker than you know than he should to me. Okay. Now I realize well, I mean, that Ragnar's but, uh, not huge, but. I think that was partly because when we were first introduced to him, you know, Ragnar was just a poor farmer and everything, and, you know, they couldn't grow their crops like they had been. And so they just didn't have the food and the nourishment to make that the entire place look like they should. True. And so as Ragnar's become king, they've done better at raiding and everything. Everyone looks a little bit more fuller, more built. And I understand Bjorn went off and did became who right. he was with his mother. He was well-fed somewhere else. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, but either way, that's actually all the episode. I mean, we pretty much covered every high point for it. I mean, the only thing I can think that we missed. Oh was wait, the, uh, no, there was a match. Of the ending, I forget. Uh, Helga's daughter dead out of the blue. What did you see this coming? I, I mean, it, they foreshadowed it with him bringing food and everything, and us thinking that it was. Uh, Helga and the daughter were going to survive but the daughter was sickly when he brought the food and I don't they didn't explain how the daughter died or anything so I'm going to assume it was just a cold and they couldn't stay warm yeah I just don't but, understand that though it's not like they're shunned no they're shunned because Floki is and so they're going to look at her knowing that she let Floki escape so, I mean, she not, might not be shunned in the sense that she's not allowed in the village, but no one's helping her out. And I think that they killed the daughter so Ragnar can go to Floki and tell him, look, Helga needs you. Yeah, you this know, is what you're doing. You know, the, Your selfishness he, has led to this. And I think that that was done to bring Floki back into the fold. And so Ragnar can take that boulder off his shoulders. I don't know. I guess I just thought it was weird editing to put the scene where Ragnar gives them food and tells them he'll take care of them to then the end of the episode, she's out there with a hoe trying to dig a (laughs) hole in some rocks and she's dead. But I mean, Ragnar's not getting around well. And I mean, he came back to check on him to make sure he was taking care of him. And we just don't know how much time passed. You know, I mean, that could have been a day. It could have been two weeks. It couldn't have been long because Floki was freshly tied up in that cavern, you know. Or maybe he's been in there for a long time. Yeah, I mean. But are they feeding him in there and stuff? I don't know. He's got water, you know. He's drinking. I think this may have been just kind of a slight editing problem where they put some scenes in there that are like, maybe filler. But this, the baby or the little girl to be dead all of a sudden was like, 
out of left field to me. It, it was definitely a bit of a shocker, but... And I you can think, see where it's going to tie in, because they show Floki strung up, screaming. Yeah, I think it's going to tie in perfectly, and I think there was a little bit of foreshadowing, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty and everything. Yeah, I think if I had to make a prediction, I think this is where Aslog is going to do her bidding. Is going to go in there, possibly, and maybe she's the one that frees Floki and says that Ragnar let your daughter die, or something like that. Okay, uh, did you watch the previews for the next episode at all or no well i i did but i don't remember seeing anything about them well ragnar actually goes down and talks to floki and oh, okay. tells him it's been enough and he undoes floki at least in the preview oh well so we i, I hate to shoot that, that. <laughs> <laughs> i hate to shoot that one down so quickly but well we'll see okay okay well that's quickly deflated uh but yeah but yeah that's yeah. i mean that's where we cut out was floki screaming in the cave so mm-hmm. really like i said the end of this episode truly redeemed this i mean i think um, it, it, it i mean i'd give it about a seven with the way it ended and everything yeah it's not one of the highest rated ones i've ever seen just because it was kind of slow and they try to add a little too much i don't think they understand they only have 42 minutes like, I don't they think do pack a lot in yeah they do. But either way, guys, um, we would love to get some feedback on this. Uh, I'm basically live tweeting the show when it's going on, taking my notes, and uh, I'd love to interact with you guys. Please send us tweets at, at Bleed TV Podcast or email us about the show on bleedtvpodcast at gmail.com or hit us on the Facebook page. Um, we're just looking to keep growing this you know, group of fans and mm-hmm listeners i mean we're really loving vikings and everything and uh we'd love to know where you think you know do you think aslog's going to take some power do you think that she's going to make a big power play here soon because uh harbard is also coming back i think yeah, next episode harbard. and i mean do you think floki gets redeemed i mean there's so much stuff does rollo truly become this total douche in france and uh yeah man there's just so much to talk about this show is very deep full of rich characters i'd love to start communicating with everybody so please hit us up but until then this is bleed tv podcast and i'm jake and i'm cash y'all take it easy